This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to the Noise Creators Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Cannon, and today I'm joined by my buddy, Pat Noon. Pat just took over Traxy Studios. He's a Central-South Jersey-based producer who's worked with everyone from Brick and Mortar to River City Extension to The Front Bottoms to American Trappist and many, many more. We get into a whole lot of things, including details of his new studio and how he feels. This is Pat's second time on the podcast, so it's a whole new set of questions, and I'm really psyched on a lot of the conversations we had. You can check out his Noise Creators profile, listen to a Spotify playlist of his work, get to know his bio and discography if you go to his profile there. Before we get started, I want to tell you about my new book, Processing Creativity, The Tools, Practices, and Habits Used to Make Music You're Happy With. It is out in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. And I guarantee you, if you enjoy this conversation, you will enjoy it. So without further ado, listen to me and Pat have a nice chat. Hey, one second before we get started with this interview. Noise Creators is able to do these cool podcasts because we're a service and we're trying to get the word out about our service to people. So if you enjoy this podcast, it's really, really important that you share it to people so more people can get to know what we're doing trying to connect musicians with producers to make better music and make better records for you all to listen to. So please, please, please help us out. If you like this and like what we're doing, share it, tweet it, Facebook it, Instagram it, tumble it, whatever you like to do, do that. As well, we're going to start doing a really cool thing. If there's a great quote from these podcasts that you really enjoy, put it on a graphic, tweet it, Facebook it, take a picture of it, and send it to us at Noise Creators on every single one of the social networks. And what we're going to do is we're going to share the best ones. And if you're one of the best ones, we're going to send you a list of prizes we have. We have a bunch of cool, rare things from bands that aren't as much of a use to us. We have a couple of extras of rare pressings of vinyl, all sorts of cool stuff. You can choose from a list, and we'll send that out to you for free if you share a really cool quote that we like and we use. Thanks so much for helping out, and please, please, please help us spread the word on our service. Thanks. So how do you introduce yourself to people who don't get the music business? I've always, I don't know, I've always kind of been fairly uncomfortable ever talking to bands like i always felt like the guy like oh i'm a producer you know or like <laughs> that kind of thing so i'm always just i don't know man i just press record and uh i've always tried to stay pretty humble with it you know i just kind of help bands get what what it is that they're that they wrote trying to get the best version of what they've been working on for over the however long a couple of years or a year whatever of writing the songs that's usually i think i've said that a million times like hey man i just press record <laughs> I don't, you know, like I said, I always feel, it, it's, I always just feel weird talking about that kind of stuff with bands or approaching bands or, uh, you know, anything I've ever really worked with has always been real organic and like through someone else I was introduced. So they kind of already knew, you know, people already kind of know what I do, I guess. Mm. I like that. Very gracious. So catch us up on what have you been up to since we last spoke? 
Well, I still have the studio in Bayville for now. It looks like I'm probably going to close it down, but just oh, wow. took over tracks east in in South River, which I just tell everyone New Brunswick because no one knows where the hell South River is. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is literally the only thing in that town. <laughs> there's a great Mexican restaurant right across the street, but besides that, huh. I don't yeah, think I, I, don't remember, I don't remember ever eating there. It's just so funny because Evitz and I have that like we know we don't eat Chinese food policy. And so that was always the thing there that was like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's great. The place is real good. But yeah, Traxxas, I guess, I mean, to me, I mean, like my, I don't know how, how big of a thing it is in, you know, the world of recording studios. But to me, all the music that I kind of was inspired by and stuff growing up, a ton of it was done, was done here. So it's kind of, it's kind of surreal to sit in the control room and just put on like whatever through being cool and, you know, be like, holy shit, they did this record here, you know, like things yeah. like that. So yeah, so that's uh, just trying to get this place, uh, you know, painting and uh, just some uh, cosmetic stuff going but that's what's been going on in the past it's been about eight well about three months and how about uh records anything anything you could tell us about that you've been doing finishing up the, the band brick and mortar pretty much mixed there's like two songs left to mix mastering september 1st not really sure when it's coming out and then joe used to be uh river city extensions new record uh he's now american trappist uh we're working on a new full length in the fall which that album's it's real kind of straightforward, just rocking stuff. Really great songs. Nice. He just he just kind of keeps getting better as he as he goes. And finally has a real solid band behind him. That's uh, great. This cool band just just started coming in, Cold Weather Company from New Brunswick. Almost virtuoso on their instruments. The guitar player just kills it. Real Punch Brothers sounding, kind of real acoustic-y, classical-ish sounding, but modern. I don't, it's it's hard to explain. Really cool bands. Young kids too, so they got I think they have a lot of potential. So is there any advice you give to each band you record it's hard i you know everyone being on the same page kind of thing but a lot of that kind of goes without saying that i like to say the hard the easy part is making the record like we're just making music here this is you know this is the easy stuff the advice is the, the hard part like planning what you're going to do when it's done how can you promote it what sort of stuff can you do to get any attention with with so much stuff out there with so many podcasts and so mm -hmm. many so many bands out there and how do you how do you break through and it's hard to even say to have advice on it it's more of like just kind of be conscious of you know, that's the hard part. So many bands, once they're done, they're like, oh, the record's done. I got to start working on the next one. It's like, whoa, <laughs> what <laughs> yeah. do you mean? What do you mean you got to sell this one? Yeah. You know, you got to get out and tour on this one and play shows on this one and get people to listen to this one. I think it's, a, it's sometimes that thing of like, it's so much easier to stay in that mode. Like I, we were talking before this taping of like, I've been a little freaked out because I'm like, oh, I know how to do is write this book. And now I don't know what to do with myself now that I don't want to write another book. And it can be really easy to just keep writing when really you need to go in that mindset of like, how do I develop images that look like the sounds of this record and all these things like that. It's like, that's the most important thing after that's done. Yeah. It's planning, you know, uh, I don't know what 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 merch packages do you have to you know with like a shirt and a I don't know just shot glass and the record or something mm -hmm. like that what what do you have planned for for after it like I just kind of I finished up this this record with this dude who I think is like an awesome songwriter and the band is really sick and he's like oh, I'm just I want it out for these like couple shows I'm playing up north so let's like, we just like to hurry up and put it out and it's like wait what. Mm -hmm cares about those three shows you know what i mean like this is yeah. a great record like let's plan how to properly get it out to people and and things like that but the hard part is the advice on that because 
I don't even think anyone re- really knows what what really works and what to really do. But your, uh, <laughs> you know, your book, <laughs> your I, I, book's a good place I, to start. I think there, I think there's some things that work for everybody, and most people don't even do those. That, yeah. would, that would be that my argument. Would be really, um, it's kind of our mutual friend Alan Douches's thing. Is the what are you pretending not to know? Um, everybody's pretending to not know that. If you do a few of these things, they definitely do some work for you. You know, I was, I was like talking to somebody the other day of like that thing of like, they were like, well, touring is the most important thing. I'm like, ah, eight hours in a van to a show that plays for 20 people compared to eight hours of making a really good YouTube and eight hours of thinking about that and then executing it, that YouTube could go a lot farther than those 15 people you're playing to. Yeah. And well, and the small tours could, could work though. If you, at least if you plan it, properly that you're actually not losing money or paying to go play those shows you know which a lot of bands just like that's why they break up you know like they'll do these dates and realize like how hard it is and we didn't make any money and i took off of work for this and blah 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 and they a lot of bands go down like that so at least if you properly plan that like at least we're here in in jersey so it's like you could easily do weekend shows that are just like you know friday night there's a show in new york saturday you're in boston whatever and then you you know whatever in providence or something then you come home you know and then the next weekend maybe you go out to your philly and then pittsburgh and then down to baltimore and you're back there's like all these sort of weekend things you can do and test and see if like you know the fan base kind of grows from there i hardly ever see anyone actually do that though yeah <laughs> so i've back. tried to get bands to do that a million times but this goes back to our thing the, the, our what are you pretending not to know thing of uh it's just that thing of like yeah that's the smart way to do it then none of them do it yeah like you could do dc and baltimore Baltimore and uh, uh, whatever else is down there and then come back and that's that's a weekend and then there's like and slowly kind of just do it, see if it grows and then slowly spread it out if you can and do you know the YouTube stuff and all that stuff in the meantime and you know yep sadly doesn't happen um, <laughs> how do you figure out how long a record takes to make try and get demos ahead of time or tell the band to just come in for a few days ahead of time or do some rehearsals up here or something you know and try and just sit in and see how proficient they are at playing or well i guess i should say if it's genre wise like the band i was just talking about they're really proficient so it's like i don't know i need a half day of song because most mm-hmm. of it is just like live takes they nail it in a take or two and it's like i don't they do it and they're just like oh i think i flubbed the note it's like i guess mm. <laughs> i guess you can punch something in if you want but it sounds perfect or then there's some other bands that are a little more the arrangement is a little more lush or, or whatever you know then you, you figure out it's you need a day or day and a half or something to track it just depends on the demos and meeting with them ahead of time and seeing where you know where the songs are going to be in arrangement wise and you know if they can actually play their instruments dudes having trouble playing power chords like uh-oh <laughs> yes uh-oh. <laughs> we need we need a little more time for this. So usually, you know, I, usually it's about a day or so. So I think you kind of answered this a bit, but tell me about the work you do before a band starts recording in pre-production. Yeah, it's a lot of that. The demos and I just did a some girls been doing a record here or just started doing it. We're kind of in the pre-production stage with this stuff where I just had her. She had trouble playing no click, so I made just like a pretty crappy like boom bap click track with like a just drum drum machine stuff and then she plays to that and then and then i sort of started working up some what might be an actual drum take and then we kind of just send the files back and forth like oh this should be the drum takes when the drummer comes in she just does you know singer songwriter stuff so she doesn't have Mm -hmm. a band behind so then like we're a little more ready for when the drummer comes in it's like all right this is basically the beat we want if you 
you know, hear anything that maybe should be changed or whatever, just go for it. But we already have all that stuff kind of figured out ahead of time of what the drum beat is or the tempos and, you know, <clears throat> maybe, well, you should put a double chorus at the end. Like that kind of stuff is all like the pre-production stuff that we do before we actually start tracking. You know, when I was in a band working with people like years and years ago, like before I was recording anything, like, you know, the guy's always like, well, what's next? Is there like, do you have like a lead part here? Do you have whatever? And it's just like, I don't know. It's very impersonal when you're mm -hmm. just kind of telling that guy everything that's in a song. He has no clue what's happening. He just press and record and leaving, you know? <laughs> um, I like that. How do you show bands that you're on the same team? I think a lot of it is just, I don't know. I kind of, I almost, I, basically become friends with everyone I work with, you know, mm -hmm. like same team as far as like, Oh, here, just like, if you have an idea, just text me like whatever, I'm up till three in the morning every night. So whatever, if you think of something or any ideas arrangement wise, or you think of something you want to change, just, just text me or whatever. I always try and go out to, to shows before the record. If I can, it's kind of hard, you know, I'm usually yes. busy. I'll definitely always try and make it to the record release show. I always try and, Oh, let me see the artwork that you guys are thinking and blah, blah, blah. Give, you know, advice on that stuff. And cause we are on the same team, really. I mean, if you actually are taking your job as a producer or engineer, mix engineer, you know, whatever you're doing with the band serious and you want to have people who keep coming back to you and, build that sort of relationship you have to kind of you know be friends with these people and try and make the best record that you can with them thousand percent great i think it's interesting that you talk about the text thing because it's so funny because i feel like so many producers i talk to it's like they're fighting to not get the band to text them they want just like emails and formal things whereas you're welcoming that yeah yeah i don't everyone can have my phone number i don't care <laughs> nice yeah it's like what who you know uh, like i said i don't i don't really like solicit anyone mm -hmm. so mostly anyone is is kind of always been an organic sort of word of mouth thing so it's like there's been, there's been a couple weirdos here or there that like for, for the most part like you know everyone's pretty cool and and like know someone through someone and it's you know so it's like yeah i don't know just text me i don't care well let's figure out what you know what it, what it is you want to change or what it is that should be different or or whatever i'll even text bands like at three in the morning like i was listening to the rough mix and it's like ah shit we gotta read we gotta redo that vocal it just it just wasn't working yeah what well, do you text people or do you do you give me oh, your number yeah, I, 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 honestly you know it's funny funny is like i am a little selective when i know with the personality is going to be, but like, you know, it's like funny is like that's so most full length I'm in the middle of for hopeless right now. We have like this joke of like, you know, every time we discuss something we're like, cool, well that's lost. Cause like all we do all day is text, text, like dumb things, Alex Jones sent and things like that. And like anything I might on long term, <laughs> I do it, but you know what I'm starting to really be on is that, uh, it shouldn't be text. It should be Slack. What's that? I don't even know what that, I don't even know what that is. So Slack is like a chat room app, but what's really good about it is it's searchable. So when somebody has an idea or a note for something a month ago, you can find it so fast. Like I tell every band, instead of having a group text, like to just have a group Slack and make Slack kind of your like one of your text apps hmm. because you can just search through it and you can find the details. Whereas like, you know, like trying to find a text or ne never mind, even trying to find like a link someone sent to like a song when like it comes down, like that you're in pre-production and you're like, yo, I'd really love if the drums did this. It's like, and then it's two months later. It's like, dude, if I tried to dig through the Somos text for two months, I would literally oh, take yeah. me eight hours to do. Whereas in Slack, it's like literally like you're like, you even type in like the link's name or whatever and it'll come up with the youtube huh i was really good about this on one lp i was on that radiator king record i did and it really was way better i just like have not all three of the full lengths i'm like really far in i just like 
have not been good about it. I definitely recommend it if uh, it, it, if when it comes to the long long uh, haul and stuff. It's hard. I get a you know a lot of the the stuff that I do is the fucking uh, a lot of these folky dudes who like can barely even fucking pick up a, a cell phone. Yes. You know they're like it's like they live on a fucking farm or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't know that thing too. I mean, like it's actually kind of funny. Is like we have this joke of like Mike from Somos is so analog, and it's like but like you know. Getting him onto technology is so good once he learns it. Tell me about the process and how you change it when you work with younger bands versus more established bands. I don't I kinda I kinda feel like I'm always sort of the same. I'm always kind of treating everyone the same. Some of the younger ones maybe haven't been in the studio. So it's a little, you know, that's a little bit of a learning curve as far as like, you know, even just simple stuff that kind of goes without saying, like, dude, I just mic'd up your acoustic, like stop moving, you know, like <laughs> things like that. But as far as like the time they get or the attention they get and the things like that, I always, I always try and treat every band like they are, you know, the next biggest band in the world and the sort of just always go above and beyond for, for every band, if I can, you know, at least, I would like to think that any band that I've worked with would, would say the same thing that, you know, I always put in tons of extra time and, and stuff like that. So it's hard to say like, you know, the, the differences between the two, cause it's, you know, I just try and treat them all the same. You know, I don't want to be like, well, these guys, you know, you know, they don't, they got like 300 fans on Instagram or whatever. So yeah. like who cares about them, you know, it's good. You Boy. never know, you know, you never know what, what band is going to become what and how big someone could get or you know, so I just try and do it all, treat it all the same. That's the the way to go. Because as I've joked throughout my career, is every time I go, that no one's ever going to hear this. That's when everybody hears it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is a thing. There was like two brick and mortar songs that I remember were just supposed to be demos, and mm. like, so it's like, oh, whatever. I'll just put up like uh, two or three mics on the drums, whatever. I didn't even really care about placement. It was just like I say, it was just meant to be a rough that we listened to, and that was it. We were going to redo it. They wound up like finishing it and like putting it out, and that was like that song, Heat Stroke, and I forget the other ones. But they they put them out on the last EP, and just every time I hear it, I kind of cringe, and it's like I will never, I will never do that again. Yeah, you know. So you know, always, it doesn't care if someone's like, oh, this just a demo it's like all right yeah but like let me let me set this up for real though just in case yes because sometimes that demo is you just run with it it's totally true and i've definitely had that one happen still cringe about it (laughs) Uh, what happens when somebody says nobody will hear that during a session (laughs) (laughs) that's the right reaction so people say that too it's crazy and i like to i get like I don't know. I feel like I've said this a million times in bands. I'm like, dude, no one wants to listen to your shitty demo. Like, you know, they're just like, oh, it doesn't matter like that. Like, oh, no one's going to hear that. It's like, everyone's going to hear it. You hear it. You know, I hear it. What, let's just fix it. Like, that's like just the one of the worst outlooks on on that kind of thing. It's like, what are we trying to make here? You know, like, are we trying to make just some shitty demo? Because I don't really want to be a part of that. Where are you going to get with that? No one's going to, you're not going to be able to get any further with it, with sloppy stuff. You're not going to be able to, like, when you listen to records these days, you know, it's not like 1995, where maybe you have a shitty cassette demo that you made on like your four track you know like your task cassette four track thing that it's like people will let slide if things are off or timings whatever and it's mm-hmm. i mean these days it's like you, you kind of expect to hear like an album or like you know a song that sounds like it's supposed to sound yeah I like so that, that just drives me nuts i like to say it's like um no one wants to hear ideas that aren't actualized like you know and i think a lot of people don't think about what the term actualized means but like 
An idea that was actually vetted as far as it could possibly go. Like, people just don't have an interest anymore because it's there's so much music that's so easy to get where they did actualize it and they did go all the way. And it's like, yeah, if you're not going all the way, there's a lot of other people who did and they're just not that interested in what you're doing since you didn't put in the effort. Yeah, like, I just had some... It was some dude that, like... It, it was a real weird situation. He wasn't... He kind of came here and there over... I don't know, a two year period, you know, it wasn't really a record we were making. It was whatever. And then he just messaged me like this is about a week ago. And he messaged me and was like, Hey man, I'm, I'm about to put those songs out. I was like <laughs> the, the rough mixes. Like we didn't even finish anything. We didn't mix anything. We didn't, we didn't do anything. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's all good. And then I was like, dude, like there is no record that you love or that you listen to that like hasn't been mixed or, or finished. You know what I mean? Like no one's, they just don't do that. Unless you're established. Maybe you can, you know, maybe B-sides and rarities comes out or something like that. But like your first, your first thing or as like a new artist or something like that, like we gotta, we gotta finish this, you know, you gotta make the best thing that you can make. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's, the thing too is sometimes people just get used to the way those rough mixes sound and they're like no this is great and it's like no you don't have a vision of how much better it could be yeah so what can you do <laughs> sometimes things just get you know just get out of your hands as the president would say uh sad <laughs> on a lighter note um what order do you commonly track in is it the traditional drums bass guitar vocals does it change up what do you what do you do uh it's typically drums uh i guess genre wise dependent but typically it's drums guitars and i try and get the lead vocal in as, as quick as possible most people don't have a problem to singing to just guitars you know like some people need the full arrangement to kind of get into it and blah 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 but i try and get the the lead vocal in there as quick as possible and then sort of build everything around that like you know they might have a lead written for a part that it's like yeah but i kind of want to really hear the lead vocal first before we might need to tweak that lead that's stepping all over the in the middle of the verse someone's doing like a tapping thing it's like yeah. i don't know man maybe we need to we need to work on that a little bit but the other, the, a couple, a couple weeks ago, I actually had to do uh, the drummer just couldn't be here. Something happened and he couldn't be here. So like we literally tracked the entire song to a click and then did the drums last, which isn't the norm. But it's like all right, I know the drums, the drummer is solid enough that we can pull this off. So sometimes like things like that happen, but for the most part, it's drums, guitar, vocal, and then else around it I, I like the point you make about the finger tapping thing like uh, you know if like when we go back to the joke of like how do you uh, tell people who don't understand what we do what we do it's like uh my joke is of like you kind of know it i'm like i mostly just tell guitarists to stop doing that finger tapping lead that's still like, stepping <laughs> over the vocal yeah i got this finger tapping thing and like a harmony over it and blah 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 it's like dude what you're like not even doing anything that follows the vocals yeah. or it's all over the vocal it's like let's yeah. You're, you're keeping yourself entertained while this guy's actually doing a song over here. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, again, it's, it's genre wise and, you know, some folky bands are not, you know, they're usually not, they don't have tapping solos. <laughs> yes, this Depends. is true. But instead, it's just the violin playing too many notes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Hi, I'm going to just take one second to tell you about something that if you're listening to this podcast, you will probably be interested in. Noise Creators put out a book called The 30-Minute Guide to Getting More Fans. It's by me, Jesse Cannon. I wrote a book called Get More Fans, The DIY Guide to the New Music Business that's been one of the best-selling books on how to build a fan base for your band. That book is really long and detailed. What we decided to do, though, is make a smaller version of that book that you can read in under 30 minutes that tells you all about how you can build a fan base for your band. 
I'm sure you've noticed there's been far too many people popping up in your Facebook news feed slinging information on how to build a fan base for a subscription or $100 or something. But Noise Creators was founded because we saw the potential to make the music world a better place. When I started writing about the music business over eight years ago, I always wanted to just teach all the bands that I thought had potential how to do this because I saw too many bands not build themselves up that I thought were the world should hear. So this book has all that knowledge that I learned building fan bases for bands, producing and working in the music business for years. I managed a bunch of successful bands in the past, and this is how I got them to be more than a band that just their hometown knew about. So if you head over to noisecreators.com under the more tab that says ebook, you can get it there for free. All you have to do is enter your email address or your Twitter address. Thanks for taking the time to check this out. What's the best lesson you've learned about creativity recently? I feel like I kind of got into a little bit of a rut, maybe a little bit, where I was kind of just going on kind of what I've always done. I wasn't really trying, wasn't really trying everything or trying new things or something like that. And I, I feel like with the, the brick and mortar record that we just did, there were so many like just weird, oh, why don't we try putting the drums all the way you know, down here and we'll put a mic all the way to the end of the hallway. And we didn't even do them in like drums for a part on like in the main control room. We did them in like the hallway of the of the studio, like things like oh. that, that they kind of challenged me to like, you know, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like I've been a little safe lately. So mm. so working and that's saying working with better musicians kind of makes you a better engineer or producer, I feel the same with musicians. Like, you know, if you're if you're a really great guitar player and you're in a band with like a shitty drummer and a shitty bass player, like you're not really going to get anywhere, you know. So that if you have a better drummer, like if your drummer is better than you at drums and you're a guitar then you're going to get challenged to be a better guitar player and kind of yes. step it up. So I would say that would probably be uh, something that it's, you know, always try and think of something new to do or challenge yourself to, oh, I never tried that before. Let's do that. I, I think it's the thing is we all at some point get to that point where we're like a little stagnant and then something has to shake us and wake us up and remind us that we can't be that stagnant. Yeah. I mean, also moving up to this new place too is kind of getting like a second wind, I feel. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you got a whole new room to experiment with and learn. Yeah. And lots of new gear. That is, it's it's overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> I tried uh, cutting everything back to just like, you know, the whole paradox of choice thing. So I yes. tried like consolidating everything into like, I only had two types of preamps and I had, I only had 16 channels of two types of preamps and it was just pick one. And then that totally went out the window when I wound up here. So yeah, now I got to figure out how to make, how to make it work again. <laughs> That's funny. So do you have a philosophy on how you sequence a record? I feel like I was better at it when I was younger. It's hard. You know, it's it's kind of like, well, what's the single or what's the... I could probably pick the lead song. Like, oh, we should probably kick off the record with this into this or... And then this should be the closer. The in-betweens get a little... Have been getting a little tricky for me lately. I don't know why. But luckily, the bands, the past bunch of records I've done, they've already been like, here's the order. I already wrote it to be this. Mm. You know? So it's already kind of just given and like, here's the order. All right, then let's let's track this in album order. And then I mix it in album order. And it's, you know, it's just always kind of there lately. Hmm. I'm lucky on that. I ha you know, it's funny. I've been getting that more lately. But then some of the stuff I get to master, uh, when I say the order, I get a email back that says, what do you mean? And <laughs> that like some people are so single orientated that they're just like, I, you know, we haven't even uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Does it even matter? Some bands might even be like, it doesn't even matter because we're just putting these out as, as 
different yes. singles. Yeah, and it's like that funny thing of like I'm always obsessed with that idea that like everybody's like, oh, everybody's doing this. I'm like, usually everybody's also doing the opposite of that. Is that it's just more that the common thing is dropping out of the center and both sides are diverging more and more. And I think that that's definitely a case of that. I mean, particularly, I tend to find that's more like the YouTube pop bands that do that and less the like more albumy bands, obviously, since you know they're not making album music. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. Because if you're doing like sort of eclectic, I don't know, prog rock stuff or something like that, you know, they might have a better sense of how they wrote the entire arrangement of the record and the whole thing flows. And, you know, he might not need to, to really help them too much with that. Yes. Especially the prog ones. So what do people get wrong about you? <laughs> a lot of people think that I hate everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, you notice the, the funny thing is I know that's not the case about you, but I, I think it's sometimes the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the way things are spoken. You can, you can seem like you're more negative than you actually are. Yeah, which <laughs> even like, you know, really, like if I don't like something that like, my one friend is always saying, it. he's like, uh, oh, did you hear that record? I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, oh, it doesn't matter. You fucking hate everything anyway. It's like, what? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> but I, I do get that a lot, which maybe is something I should be conscious of and try and I like to I like to feel that uh, if I like it, then I guess it's a little self-indulgent. I'm not going to go down that. Road. <laughs> I was going to say if I like it, then it's actually good. And if I well, don't like it, then it's. But there's a better way to word that. Yeah, I, what I think it is, is that when you've been doing this as long as we've been doing it, it's like you get really discriminate. And, like, I have to tell, like, you know, a girl I'm dating will send me, like, this record. I'll be like, yeah, I, I I get it. The songs are good, but, like, the vocal reverb just annoys me the whole time, so I just can't keep listening to it. <laughs> yeah. Especially with, with that thing, with, like, you know, if someone's like, oh, did you hear the whatever, the new, like, the new Jay-Z record? It's like, yeah, I don't know. Sounds like, sounds like a Jay-Z record. Yeah. I don't know. It's like nothing. It's like, oh, you don't like anything anyway. It's like, what? I have to love it? <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's just the thing of like, as you get better at dissecting music, the more you get annoyed by things when you want to change them. And people aren't very forgiving of us for that. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't know. You know, the I don't like the way that snare drum sounds on that on that one track. And it's like people just kind of look at you like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I've got that look. <laughs> <laughs> What's something outside of the audio world that you're good at? I don't do much. I like playing chess a lot, though. Oh, that's right. I, I, forgot, play, I, I try, forgot you uh, and I have that in common. But then even that gets to, I don't know, I get very, like, uh, even doing mixes, it, it gets very, I don't know, I kind of get competitive about it, I guess. It's like mm. you're trying to beat whatever the reference is. Or you're trying to get it up to that. It's almost like a, I don't know, like it's you're about to play in the Super Bowl or something. So when I play chess, I get too like, like if I lose it, like my day is completely ruined. So oh, wow. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm good at it, but I also don't like playing it because of it gets too intense. Huh. And uh, this dude, John, I'm friends with John Machino, who's a really, really great musician who uh, I play him a bunch. And we kind of both stopped because we both kind of felt the same way. Huh. <laughs> so... I don't know, but I don't really do much else outside of outside of this, really. I, mean, I guess you write, so yeah. It's it's fu funny with the chess thing is like I'm always in such bad practice that when I lose, I'm like, okay, well, I just blame it on the bad practice. <laughs> it's like, like I said, it's like it's like I get real competitive, and it's kind of it becomes too much sometimes. That's funny. What's the musical bane of your existence? Drum edits, I think. Drum edits and <laughs> auto tuning. That that just, still that still kills you. Yeah, I hate it. I just you know, it's I've kinda I don't know, and I even try and pawn it off on on some people too to do it or I'll pay other people to do it, like assistants and stuff. It's still just I 
I've gotten, I've also gotten less and less of the genre that, you know, or the musicians that even need that sort of, that sort of thing, which I guess mm-hmm. I've kind of gotten lucky with, but I just, it's too, it's just too much. It, 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 too much like, uh, I don't know, you're not really making music. You're kind of just doing this mechanical, mindless sort of thing of just like chopping and moving and chopping and moving. It just sort of kills, it kills a lot of the excitement of making the record for me i hear you i should say over i should say over melodizing too which is like 99 percent of all hip-hop today it's like a lazy like a lazy auto-tune or that they just slap on it and it's you know it hits it pulls it to wrong notes and stuff and like that's just the way rap sounds today maybe i just sound like an old (laughs) i sound old and bitching but no i mean that 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 is kind of a fact is that there's tons of stuff today that it's just like the auto-tune gets thrown on it and it's kind of just like oh the glitch sounds cool cool let's keep going with that yeah like i like the tasteful i don't even know if it's auto-tune but some of like the the bone of air stuff that mm-hmm. that he does on no record i don't it's prob i guess a lot of it's more like um the oh, mic, vocoder, vocoder, vocoder. Yeah, yeah, it's more like, I guess it's more vocoder stuff as opposed to autotune, but at least if you're going to do it, do something interesting or try and do something new with it. Yeah, when I get rap, it's like, oh yeah, just, I want a track with the autotune on, just just throw the autotune on. It's like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And you're just following everyone, and you say it a lot too, you know, if you're trying to to be what everyone else already is, then, you know, you've already missed, or how you something that you said a little more elo- eloquently. Well, I think it's just more the thing is like when you're trying to be somebody else, uh, it's not an emotional expression. And, you know, we've already heard that and you got to find your thing. Yeah. That's, that's what I mean with it. But everyone, every single like sort of R and B ish thing or hip hop stuff that I get, they all just want that. It's like, can we try something else? Can we try something new? Can we try and, you know, it just drives me nuts. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that is the thing, too, is um, it's a very largely conformist. Some genres are much more conformist than others, and right now, uh, hip-hop's not doing so well in that department a lot of the time. Yeah. So is there a book or a documentary on music that's really influenced you? What was it, the Classic Classics album series? Yes. It's that... that I watched the, uh, you know, because I'm huge into to Pink Floyd, and they, they did the Dark Side of the Moon one, which I was like, there were so many ideas just mm-hmm. from that that I kind of took and, and tried on different things as far as how they used a sequencer or how they used loops and how things like that in the studio with that. I think that that was awesome, just watching them pull up the different tracks and talk about how they made the record. And there's a ton of stuff on that that I thought was really great. Yeah, no, I, that, that one I think is one of the better ones in that series for sure. Yeah, that one's great, especially the tape loop stuff when they talk about how they had to make like money because yep. it's in seven, so they had to make seven pieces of, of tape taped together to make the loop, and then they played it. Yeah, it's just crazy. What is, is something you believe that everyone else thinks you're crazy to think? That Madonna's Immaculate Collection is one of the best albums ever put together. Well, you know I don't <laughs> think you're crazy to think that. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I was just listening to it the other day. I, I, I mean, like, you know, it's like that funny thing of like... Uh, when I go to leave the house for the night, like, all I do is, like, I have a Madonna YouTube playlist and I just hit shuffle on that. It, it, it's like, I, I tell people this sometimes and the looks I get is, like, you're not fucking serious here. Like, some, of those, some of those bass lines, uh, they're incredible. Well, it's even the thing, you know, I had, like, this thing, the realization the other day with her is that... When you listen to the slapback delays on her vocals and the early stuff, it was almost like her vocal was so much more perfect than everybody else that they had to fuck it up with like putting some <laughs> 16th note wobble there because it was almost like too good. Huh. It's like yeah. she was really like 
you know, the way like a Katy Perry vocal is today with all the melodyne and quantizing, she was doing that, you know, to a wobbly drum machine back in the day. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Everyone should listen to everyone should listen to that record. I, 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 so I'm, 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 I'm back <laughs> in that. Do you have a philosophy on the equipment you buy? No, you know, I kind of, like I said, I tried to really dumb it down because mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not a big fan of choice. I kind of like when I, before I moved up to, to tracks here, I had, I cut it down to eight channels of 1073 and eight channels of the Shadow Hills. So it's kind of like if you, if I want to do sort of a, you know, uh, a more retro-ish sort of thing. I use 1073s for one sort of a bit of a more modern, clear kind of whatever. I would go with Shadow Hills and I would just pick one or the other. And I haven't really been buying anything. That was always my yeah. I don't I haven't bought anything in a while though. Hmm. <laughs> I wish no, I had a better answer. But no, actually, it's a really interesting answer because everybody is so addicted to getting new gear and everything and having all these different flavors. And I, you know, I'm I've always been on this thing too. I mean, I think it's funny because we both use the Shadow Hills and it has three different settings that sound totally different but like it is a thing of like it's like okay i know what i want to use on each thing and these are the colors i have to paint with and you know lately i've been wanting some other colors like i tried that eric valentine pre and i'm like okay yeah i want that color but uh yeah it's interesting to not have to sit there and infinitely choose yeah like i feel like it takes so long to like really like really get a piece of gear that if you're just constantly buying stuff you don't even really know what the piece you just bought really does on everything you know what i mean like you have a general idea but you know like uh there's this dude who works at the studio down in bayville that i still have in the front room he does a lot of the hip-hop stuff for us and all the time he's like dude you want this new plug-in i, I got a crack for this new plug-in it's like nah yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah like all the time he's like he's got this new plug-in it's just like dude i don't i have too many like i don't i want less i actually took a bunch you know, I had a ton of stuff and I took them all out of the list in Pro Tools. I don't even want to look at them or have the option to even pull them up. I, I did the same thing. Yeah, there's just too many. It's, and it's like I said, it's so hard to, you know, I have a, a few compressors that like I know, you know, inside and out. And same with the preamps and even a lot of stuff in the in the main room now that I probably won't even turn on because it's just too much. And I'll experiment with it uh, over time to, to really get it. But you have to really learn your monitors and really learn your room and really learn what gear you're actually using takes so long of being in the same exact spot, you know, and working on different genres and different instruments and different whatever that, I don't know, just try not to buy anything. I, I, I am with you. What's a piece of gear or plug-in that you use and love that no one else seems to love? I don't know. Deverb? <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Does everyone hate on Deverb? I hate you know, Deverb. I think- do you hate Deverb? I had a I had this big thing about where I used to hate it and I used to oh the fucking Deverb comes to Pro Tools piece of shit blah 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 and I was reading uh, something on the making of I think it was the the first and second Mumford and Sons record the dude's like yeah all the reverbs in there are just like it's just Deverb or it's uh, all Deverb and that was everything for the whole record and I was like oh fuck me so then I started playing around with it a bit and it's like you know I, I think you kind of feel like you get a little biased because it's free and it comes with it. I mean, some of this, some of the stuff does sound pretty shitty unless you really kind of get into it. But I don't know. I put that up against. I use a lot of the UAD stuff, like the 140 plate and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and the the BX20 that I have from there. And it's I don't know. You know, if the song's good and you know how to apply it, and the and the musician's good and stuff like that, it's it it works. Obviously, I mean, it worked for Mumford and Sons. Yeah, I mean, that's a good good sounding record. So I said when I read that, I was like, oh, you know. <laughs> 
Because sometimes you can get too in your own head about like just hating on something or, you know, being all about something and you just kind of have a biased view on it. And you're not really listening to, you know, I'm very, what you're saying. I'm very convinced too there's this thing and one, probably one of the assets of Dverb is that like there's really only five parameters, maybe four that you should be messing with on a reverb. Otherwise, choose a different preset and then mess with those. Like it's really pre-delay, the length, the high frequency cutoff and like yeah yeah maybe maybe that that is all all you really should be messing with because like otherwise it's like choose the different one and there is something too that deverb doesn't have much else than that yeah and i mean even the whatever the eq7 or whatever it is that comes with pro tools see i hate that yeah <laughs> to me that that makes everything sound worse to me um, I'd much rather use if I had to if I had to use a cheap EQ, I'd much rather use that Fab Filter one. Although I, I should say I only really chop out stuff from it if I'm pulling that up, mm. or if I'm just going to use the one as like for a high pass. Yes, um, it's really the only times I'll pull those up. I do love the SSL, the UAD SSL stuff though. Mm. So with that, what's the best piece of gear under two hundred dollars? Within the past year, what is it? Actually, I have it sitting right on my desk. The the radial big shot. Yes. Love it. I used to never so, so, take. So explain to everybody what that what what it does. Yeah, I used to never take uh, a DI guitar. I used to always just you know it's into the amp. You pick the amp you want. You mic it up, and then you know there's your guitar sound. And then let's just like commit to that. But mm. the radial, so you can either you can either split the signal, you know, and you can just use it to do a DI and just mute it, and then use the amp as you normally do. Or if you want to split into you know, two different amps uh, properly without getting all the ground noise and shit that you get from a lot of other stuff. It's just great for that, especially for like bass stuff. If you want to just use maybe the a bass amp just to get the low end stuff and then also split it into a tar amp if you want to get like the fuzzy high end of the bass. It's just great for any sort of splitting and splicing of, of signals you want to mix stuff that you wouldn't have normally thought of or, or been able to do. So, but the big shot is also the blender too. Am I wrong about what that? Do you, uh, what do you mean? Doesn't it have the no, split return, or is it just the splitter? Am I getting? Uh, it? Yeah, yeah, it's just a splitter, but it's but it's the only one that I really found that like uh, it cuts out any of the additional hump. Like yeah. uh, if you try and use a sans amp, you know, go and a sans amp into two different amps, like it's yeah. just going to be loud as shit, and it's like basically unusable. Yes. Um, for for if you want to use multiple heads, but the big shot is actually great with that, and it's silent. Like oh. bass stuff, like I said, if you want to do fuzzy distorted bass, it's. I found it to be like nothing is better than it. That's rad. I think it's only a hundred and I don't know. It was like 120 bucks or something like that. I think. Yeah. I know we have it. <laughs> it's the closest things I'm like, I know we have it. I never record guitar cause Mike does all of it. <laughs> <laughs> so the last uh, question is, is uh, self promote. Tell us uh, what, what you have to promote. The new studio, which it's not really a new studio, but it's uh so it's a track East up in, up in South river. Which I'm not really sure how we're going to promote yet, to be honest, mm. whether the website will be Traxy Stan 816. I guess when you land on it, Traxy will redirect to it. But I feel like anyone who's into you know the the emo who's into the emo scene or the you know the punk scene from the mid to late nineties, early two thousands, and stuff like that, like know of this place. So it's we're kind of just trying to bring it back to what it was and breathe some new life into it. So it'll just be 816.com if you want to get in touch, you know, get in touch with us or anything. Very rad. Uh, any records to promote? Don't have a release date on the new brick and mortar yet, but the full length is, will be done within the month. And it's hard because I've been making the switch over. So I haven't really been working in a few months. Um, 
so there's really nothing new records coming out but the american trappist record that we're going to do is going to be really great i'm actually mixing this dude joe perigine who's been really weird math metal stuff that chris penny has been playing drums on oh nice um, and he's a fucking animal <laughs> drums yeah. anyone you know yeah. obviously that i mix in a few weeks that that should be out within a couple months don't know what he's gonna band name will be named though but joseph a perigine if you want to find any of his stuff if you're into like really mathy metal stuff like real weird a atonal stuff and things like that with chris penny on drums nice If you enjoyed this episode, please remember the golden rule of the internet, that if you enjoy something you got for free, please tweet, Facebook, share, or tell your friends about it in whatever way you like to do that. Please check out Noise Creator's website and take a look around. We have tons of interviews, discographies, Spotify playlists from all the best producers out there on our service. If you're unsure about who your band should work with, we can help you get the best producer fit for your record. To keep up with us, follow at Noise Creators on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, Tumblr, or Facebook. This podcast can also be found wherever podcasts are found, including iTunes and Stitcher. I'm your host, Jesse Cannon. I can be found on Twitter at Jesse Cannon or at jessecannon.com. Again, please help spread the word about this podcast and what Noise Creators does so we can keep this going. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.